0: All right, good morning, everybody. Let's give it up for our worship team. They were phenomenal this morning. Thank you guys so much. So good. Uh, I know we got a few new songs, but, um, you know, just get those lyrics in your heart and it all come together. Hey, I want to bring a standalone message today. Um, I've been hyping up, but, you know, I'm, I'm really going to be teaching today. I won't be uh, jumping around the stage and all that. Uh, This is a a powerful message that I think is going to bring liberty to your life and your situation. Um, Let's give it up for our first-time guest. Welcome to Highlight Church. Thank you so much. And so um, when you read in Genesis chapter 1, the account of creation, uh, you see where God, he took six days to create everything, Um, the heavens and the earth. And he, you know, certain days he separated land from water and he separated, um, you know, he made seasons, winter, spring, fall, and summer. It's all in Genesis 1. And he also uh, created the fish to inhabit the sea and he created birds and all these wonderful things that he did in Genesis chapter 1. And what was interesting is that by uh, the end of day 6, he deemed all things good. And uh, that word in the Hebrew, good, means pleasant or God's best if you're taking notes. We are a note-taking church. I'd encourage you not to just stare at me today. Uh, it's dark and it's, it feels good in this room and it's only 1030 so it's easy to fall asleep. Um, So entertain yourself and take a note. And so he he deemed all things good. I mean, he created Adam first. The word Adam, Adam, in the Hebrew means man. So he created man first. And Adam had vision. Adam had wisdom. Adam had knowledge. Uh, It is believed that Adam, at one point in his life, was the richest man to ever walk the face of the earth. I mean, obviously, there's no one else on the earth. And God has given you all reign over everything. I mean, Simba is your puppy. So you're just like, hey, Simba, and hey, Shamu. and But you're free, Shamu. Um, hey, can I, you know, like, he, he, he had it all. You know what I mean? And so... Um, God even even told him, if you read a super cool, uh, it's between Genesis 2. He said, whatever you name the animals, that's what I'm going to call them. And uh, that should speak to your situation. If you go and read Genesis 2 today, Proverbs says that uh, life and death are in the power of of the tongue. The the power of the tongue is life and death. So whatever you speak over your life, essentially what's going to happen. And um, and so we see that when he names a giraffe a giraffe and God says okay we'll go with that and okay that's a flamingo okay we'll go with that so on and so forth and so um, God looked around and he said man it's good it's all good he said this is this is my best for man for man but uh, we we come to a part in the narrative where. Um, God's kind of scoping out the scene, and it's not that God made a mistake or anything, because God doesn't make mistakes, um, but he he picked up on something as a concern, the the reality of man's situation. He picked up on one thing. He said, all these things are good, but there's one thing that I'm extremely concerned about, and this is the the foundation by which we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I really I have one verse that we're going to build on today. We just made it through an entire book. Can we celebrate that? The book of Philippians all throughout the summer. And so I'm like, "Lord, I'm so tired of verse to verse preaching. Can I just preach a topic that you just give to me when I'm in the coffee shop and I just want to be free?" So today we're going to preach off of one verse now i have supplemental verses i got to teach but i'm saying our our foundation today is one verse and so we're gonna have fun with that and so in genesis 2 verse 18 thanks child i'll look at you all morning (laughs) genesis 2 verse 18 says this then the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone I will make him a helper who is just right for him. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So everything's all good. Read Genesis 1. We don't have time to do that this morning. Like I said, we just finished Philippians. We're not going to read an entire chapter. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so in preparation for today's message, I'll give you the title of today's talk here in a second Uh, Cigna did some research and some reading Cigna the health insurance company they took a nationwide survey of 20,000 adults and found that 54 percent of respondents said they feel like no one actually knows them additionally 56 percent of people said the people they surround themselves with are not necessarily quote unquote with them Approximately 40% said they lack companionship, their relationships aren't meaningful, and they feel isolated from others. Essentially, to kind of sum all this up, if you just do the averages of those four numbers, uh, half of all Americans view themselves as lonely. Uh, David, David Cordani, uh, the CEO of Cigna, he said, I can't help but be surprised by that. Additionally, the survey found that younger Americans are hit harder by loneliness. The generation born between the mid-1990s and the early 2000s, Generation Z, is coming to age now, and they feel lonely the most, research has found. I can't... (laughs) David, I feel you. I can't help but be surprised by that either. Uh, We live in a very as it seems, connected uh, society. Social media has enabled us to have a million followers on Instagram and thousands of followers on Twitter and thousands of friends on Facebook. But pull us into a, a real life scenario where we have survey forms on, on, in front of us and we're able to fill out and be honest and um, Kind of anonymous with our answers, right. we can be honest and say, "Well, I feel very lonely." And we can go on our computers, our smartphones, and say, "Wow, I have a thousand friends on Facebook." Um, a culture that values quantity over quality when it comes to relationships has produced a cesspool of superficial connections. We we. We value more numbers than we do actually, like, who's actually near me in proximity to me, proximity to me and who actually cares. And so loneliness has been associated. Th- these things kind of blew my mind. And you, you think, man, uh, you know, well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not lonely. I'm married, and I'm going to this conference, and I've gotten this promotion, and this is my pay grade, or I got this amount of kids. I got this girlfriend. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Pastor. But we're, we're going to kind of dig through that. And you'll know if you're lonely by the end of this message. Um, <laughs> probably, it's probably already setting in. Uh, but we're going to lift you up. Loneliness has been associated with cardiovascular problems, uh, a lack of quality sleep, a reduction, a reduction in reasoning. So you can't even focus. Uh, right. It says here, a reduction in creativity. I believe the reason is because when we have cool ideas or we want to be adventurous, such as me, I'd actually like to go skydiving uh, soon at a certain point, but my wife won't allow me the space to be creative in my thoughts. (laughs) So even when she's present, I feel alone. (laughs) And so on a more serious note, we can have an idea, but have ten people in the same room with us we won't share that idea for fear that we'll feel stupid. And it's not that we'll feel stupid, it's simply because even though 10 people are in the room with me, they can care less about what I think. No one will really hear me out and invest into that creative idea, even though I'm in a room full of people. Uh, it says it affects workplace productivity, uh, less job satisfaction. Uh, oh man, you have an increased chance of facing unemployment. Uh, loneliness, this is not a surprise really to me, is linked to mental, uh, issue, mental health issues like uh, such as anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. This one kind of blew my mind. Loneliness is directly linked to premature death. The research confirms that, uh, being in perpetual state of loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day and we all know if anyone who has smoked i've had uncles uh, cousins brothers who smoke uh, they say if you smoke consistently for a number of years that you knock out 10 years of your life that's how powerful loneliness is and essentially god said it is not good for man to be alone That word there in the Hebrew is really not that all hard to define. It's not good for men to dwell in a solitary situation permanently. It's not good. And so I'd even go further. This isn't in my notes, but God is speaking to me right now. You can be busy. You can go, we go to the gym. There's a lot of people in the gym. You can go to work. There's a lot of people that come through your job. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're making connections at all. People can celebrate you for what you do, they they can like you, they can kind of follow you to a certain extent, but it does not mean that you're connecting at the levels with people that you need to be connecting with. And so as a result, these are the issues, and God said, that is not my best. So God said, I've created a helper. And we know essentially he created Eve, Eve being a woman. I do want to clarify this. The scripture is clear that marriage is between a male and a female. Now we as humans, we create laws that okay, same sex marriage, but you're not gonna find that anywhere in the word of God. Marriage is between male and female. And so he created Eve and she was to be a helper. He was also to help her. But even beyond that, Eve had the the capability to, to procreate with Adam and to produce other men and as well other women. And so God's mode of operation, his plan for your fulfillment is for you not to just have relationship with the opposite gender, but to actually have quality relationships with those of the same gender that are strictly platonic. <laughs> I'll just put it to you like this. I love Chow Tran, I love EJ, I love Chris I love my wife. And so the way I express my love to my wife in certain levels is going to be totally different than the way I express my love to Chow, because she's my wife. We understand that. So, God, But God is not saying, well, because you're married, you don't have quality relationships, deep relationships, intimate relationships with a man. There's just a way you go about it. And so he says, I, I, I want you to partner with people I want you to find companionship with people, and uh, I want you to get deep with people. I want you to grow with people, and I want you to experience my best with people. So God said, it is not my best for you to be alone. And you can live in the same house with someone you call your wife or your husband or your girlfriend or your baby mama or your baby daddy, but y'all are not growing. Because you haven't gotten deep enough in the right areas. Deep, deep. So so what I want to do is I want to help you today. And I want to bring a message to you entitled, God is not enough. God is not enough. So I want to give you three points of encouragement as to how to find and build relationships. And then I want to give you um, one takeaway benefit. So these three points are going to lead to the benefit. All right? So number one, God is calling us to find common ground. It's interesting because if you ever have traveled with people that you don't live with, and say you're in an Airbnb, you're in the same house um, for an extended period of time, I won't mention any specific situations or names or... Last week, uh, any dates or anything. <laughs> like, it's all good on the trip there. Like, you're playing your favorite music, and you're having great conversation, and you get into the house. Day one is great. You're hanging out. You're going to have dinner. It's all good. And then around day two, uh, more towards the, the afternoon, you start to see certain things kind of settle in. <laughs> like, like when a person needs some food. Um, you start to see people get hangry and, like, these three want to go to a movie. This one wants to stay home and take a nap. And you, you just, you begin to see these different things. But what you come to understand is, is this, is that, man, like, wow, I didn't know you get hungry. <laughs> I get hungry, too. Oh, my goodness, we're the same. I didn't know you tapped out at 9 p.m., I do, too. <laughs> now, I don't feel bad about leaving you guys at the dinner table. I'm going to bed. <laughs> all right. And so essentially, you're, you're what you're finding common common ground. You're saying, man, we're alike. We're not we're not all that different. We're the same. And the Bible talks about how, how we're the same in, in, in different ways, but more so we're all the same in the sense in the fact that I'm sorry, we struggle and that we're burdened. We're tempted, we're struggle, we struggle, and we're burdened. First Corinthians 10, 13, says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Yeah. So like I bet you any any amount of money that someone or some group of people are going through financial hardship in this room. Right? Or 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 someone is sick, or someone has a family member who is sick or injured or hurt. Essentially, the Bible is saying that we're all tempted to, to give up, to be negative, to be pessimistic. Um, we, we are all the same. The guy with the microphone who has the Bible in front of him, who's speaking to you all, there are areas of my life right now that after I get off this stage and behind this pulpit, which is a pub table, after I get from behind here and I go home, I have to kind of come face to face with I'm broken, you're broken. I've been walking with Jesus for 12 years. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for 12 days. Guess what? I'm broken, too. I'm imperfect, too. I have fears, too. I have struggles, too. I have doubts, too. I don't want to get up and preach every single Sunday, too. Just like you don't want to go to church, I don't want to come up here and talk to you. We all can find common ground. Because if you look at your faces, you don't want to preach. But when you smile, you're like, "Man, I can go another five minutes, but I need y'all to smile again. Can we all smile? Just smile at me. Here it is. First Peter five, eight through nine, says this: "Stay alert, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Let me clarify something. You don't have any enemies who are human. You don't have any haters my haters and my, they just hating on me. You have 13 followers on Instagram. No one's hating on you. That is your insecurity speaking out. You have one hater, and his name is Satan. And he wants to keep you separated from people so that you don't experience God's best. And so he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Uh, Jesus said that he is a liar. like that, That's what Jesus named Satan. So he, he looks every single morning to devour you mentally, to devour your emotions and to keep you from the right connections. He looks for you every single morning. Verse 9, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And he said, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through, watch this, the same kind of suffering. So we can all find common ground. It doesn't matter our our color. It doesn't matter socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter if you live in the Kentlands and I live in in, in Germantown or or wherever. It does not matter if you live in Potomac because suffering does not uh, uh, suffering does not segregate. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have favors, right. right? It's coming for you. It's coming for you, and it's coming for me. It's coming for you. It's coming for your kids. It's coming for your future kids. It's coming for all of us. We all suffer, and so if we can just find a place where we can just simply communicate, I, I bet you if we were to all sit down in here and just have a cup of coffee with one another. We find that we're all going through the same things. And from there, we can begin to build. From there, we can begin to to build. Did we get that first point up there was find common ground? We got it up there. Good. Love it. All right. Second point. uh, After we find common ground, God wants you to begin to build trust with people. Build trust. Get out of your shell. Well, I'm an introvert. Get out of that shell. It's keeping you bound. Build trust. I remember um, uh, Kyra and I had just got married, and we were a few months into our little, we lived in this like 800 square feet bungalow right there in uh, Castleberry, Florida. And we had known Chris for about a year. And uh, we had a pest, uh, rat, mouse, I don't know what it was, because I never saw them. but it was, and I'll tell you why. It's going to make a lot more sense here in a minute. Um, we would see the poop, you know, when it's by the wall, and you see their greasy hairs against the wall. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so uh, pest control came out, and he set traps and all this stuff. And one night, uh, right before bed, um, we heard the thing snap. Pap! And I just laid in the bin. I said, babe. I ain't going <laughs> and she said neither am I and so that night I think that night Chris knows better than I do I text Chris <laughs> and I said bro I think the rat trap just snapped then I heard it again pow, as I was texting him. Ooh. and so I said bro he said, well, what do you think happened? I said, I think the rats are dead. I don't, I don't know. He said, you going to get it? I said, no. I said, you mind? Uh, I can't believe I had the, the boldness to ask him this. You know, a man in my own house. I'm a city boy. So if you're sitting here judging me, I'm judging you too. Let's just make it fair. I'll teach the Bible. You learn. And you teach me how to pick up rats. And so I, I called him, he said, Pastor, I'll, I'll be over in the morning. I said, all right, all right, cool. Woo! So she went to work. She went the other direction because we had two doors. I did not go in that kitchen the entire morning. He had to, I think, go to work. He said, I'll be there right before I go to work. And so he lives 10 minutes away at my mother-in-law's house, and he's jetting down 436. And would you know it, the kid gets stopped by the police for speeding, and he gets a speeding ticket, comes to my house, tosses the rats in the trash, and goes to work, and he makes it on time. Give it up for your creative director, everybody. And like I said, don't judge me. So number one, like it's important to build trust. I, we, I knew then that all of my doubt about Chris had been displaced, right? Because he, he stuck his neck out there for me. You, you got to build trust with the right people. You got to have people that you can place your trust in. The word trust means to place confidence in. Okay. And so how do I build trust? Well, number one, I have to spend time with the right people. I have to spend time. So I have to make room in my calendar with the right people. Like, enough is enough, About I got to work, I got to go to the gym, I got to do all so on and so forth. That same stuff, that same rhetoric is the things that's that's keeping you bound. I got to make time, I have to make priority with the right people. We're having light group signups right after this, and I pray that when you try to find, you know, you may have a top two choices. Man, that one's on Thursday, that one's on Wednesday. I work both of those days, or I do this on both of those days. You need to create space and prioritize these groups in your life. So spend time with the right people. Prioritize and adjust your schedule. Number two, you got to invest. When you do uh, meet up with these people, make sure you're bringing something to the table. God is going to put people on your radar, and he's going to bring people around you, and what he wants you to do is to bring something to the table. I don't know, be it paying for the coffee or the lunch or, or a word of encouragement, and hopefully they're bringing the same thing back to the table. The goal here is to develop a connection and form a bond that is mutually beneficial. That's how you build trust. We can't expect trust. We got to build it. And Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. No one has ever became great by themselves. A healthy marriage needs a healthy marriage by its side. Someone that's ambitious and that has goals and a vision from God, you need to surround yourself with with people of godly ambition and people who have godly goals and godly vision, someone that's trying to learn the Bible. you got to surround yourself with people who are trying to learn the Bible, and you're going to set apart time to get together at Starbucks or at your house an hour hour every day and just simply dig into the Word of God together. This is how I grew early in in my Christianity. My best friend and I, we gave our lives to Jesus around the same time. We just read the Bible together. Hey, man, what do you think that means? Oh, hey, do you know that there's two Saul's in the Bible? One day that ticked him off. He didn't know it was two Saul's in the Bible. I was going a little bit deeper than him, but it was so encouraging. We just, we kept uplifting each other. And whenever we had issues, I could go to him. He had the money. He had the words. He had the prayers. He had the answers. Whenever he was broke, I had the money. I had the food. I had the words. I had the prayers. You got to learn how to build trust with people. The end result is, is that you succeed. And it has to be deeper than business. It has to be deeper than I sit next to you in church. It has to be deeper than a dinner every three months. We have to proximity, and it needs to be more frequent. Build trust. Trust people. Everyone's not out to hurt you. I know mom hurt you. I know dad wasn't there. I know the last pastor lied. He cheated. They stole the money. I know. But every church is not the same. Don't throw the the baby out with the bathwater. You got to stick somewhere. You got to get rooted somewhere. You got to learn to trust people. You got to open up your heart. Come on now. We got to build. We got to build. We got to build trust. And I'm just a messenger. God said it is not good. I'm not saying it. God said it. Build trust. Then once we find common ground and we build trust, we number three, we got to be transparent. You you see the trajectory here? So on the third point, number four is the payoff. Got to learn how to be transparent. Trust gives way to transparency. The word transparent means to allow light to pass through. So that what's on the inside can be clearly seen. To allow light to pass through. So what what is transparency? Transparency is saying, okay, we we found common ground a year ago. We built some trust. I trust you. But now now I'm going to open up and let you see me for who I truly am. That's why one out of every two. Americans feel lonely. It's because they don't have anyone to open up to. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna open up about my struggles. And I, I struggle with this and, and about my fears, about my addictions and my secret sins. This is a, a message for a mature. Even if you're a baby Christian, today you can go you can go here real quick. And so once again I had this friend and and it's funny because I went to him about this, and I said, "Man, I'm I'm struggling. About a year into my salvation, I said, man, I'm, I don't know who else to tell, bro. Like, I struggle with this." And he's like, "Me too. Like, I struggle with it too." Okay, okay, good. So now we can we can be accountable. And I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know if it's it's a computer thing or money thing or gambling thing or drinking thing or smoking thing or sleeping around thing. I don't know what your thing is. You have a thing. If I list it, I'll hit us all if you give me time, but that's not the goal here. I'm being general because the Holy Spirit's going to speak directly to your situation. And whatever your thing is, you got to open up about it. You have to let somebody in. So, so you know, like when you kind of have an ankle injury and it gets it's and it's like three days you've elevated it you've iced it you have did all the stuff and it's still it's even worse and it's purple what do you do you go to the doctor they put an x-ray on it and then they treat it we have to do the same thing with spiritual things you got to let friends you have to let your pastors you have to let your light group leaders everyone in this room is going to sign up for one God, let your light group leaders look in and say, well, we need to put a cast on it. I need some painkillers for it. We need some prayer. We need to lift it up. And we're going to walk with you through this thing. So when I'm transparent, I'm saying this is who I am, Jesus. And, and so let me, let me not get ahead of myself because this, is this good so far? Um, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Write this down for all of you note takers. All you geniuses, I know you're going to remember. Be authentic with all and transparent with few. We don't need we don't need you throwing up on everyone. Cuz everyone don't love you. Everyone don't care. So be authentic, be who you are, be adventurous, be outgoing, be funny, all that, whatever you do, you do it, do you, do you. But be transparent with few. I'll tell you where I get this from, Jesus himself. Jesus, well, he had 120, at 70, but we see all the time in the scripture, Jesus had 12 followers, which he had very frequent touches with. But whenever Jesus wanted to get personal, he went to three. Peter, James and John. You see it when he's in the garden before he's about to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. He brings Peter, James and John to the Mount of Olives and he says, pray for me. The Bible says that uh, he was going through a hemohydrosis where um, he was sweating, uh, where his blood capillaries had burst. uh, Blood had went into a sweat glands and he was under such duress and such stress taking on the sin of the world that he was sweating blood. He, he opened up and he said, Peter, James and John, I need you guys to come with me and I need you to pray because this is hard and I don't want it. And so he even prays to the father. He says this. He says, take this cup of suffering away from me. This is the first and the only time in the Gospels where we see Jesus not want to do something for God that he was supposed to do. He was suffering and it was the right thing. So watch this. It's the right thing to be transparent. But healing hurts. Why does healing hurt? Because God has to get that pride out of us. You want to be whole, you want to be healed, but you don't want God to take away the pride. And part of the reason why God says you need people in your life and you need to talk to people and not me, because talking to me is easy, I'm just kind of there, but you need to talk to people, Is because when you talk to people, it deals with your pride. Proverbs says this. Proverbs says that um, pride comes before fall. So the reason why you may be depressed all the time is because you're too prideful to get help. So be authentic with all. Be transparent with few. I would say if Jesus had three, you need to get to a place in your faith walk where you have at least three people that you can go to about anything, about everything. Hey, I did this last night. Yeah, and I did it again, and I did it again, and I did it again. Well, this is what I'm here for you for. I'm here to walk with you through all these things. Proverbs 17:17 says, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. So I'm being, I'm being transparent, and it means that I trust that you can handle this. I I trust that you won't malign me. I I trust that you'll hold me accountable. I trust that you will encourage me. I trust that you will tell me the truth in love. I trust that you'll pray for me. I trust that you'll walk with me. I meant to put the proverb up there. I I don't know it by heart by numbers, but it says something to the effect of uh, a, a friend's rebuke is better than a full song or something. A loving friend's rebuke. Let me share this with you, James five. This is the way James saw it, a follower of Christ. He said this, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you. So we see here two things. We see an issue, sickness. But the word of God is saying we should go to people. Call the elders of the church to pray over you, anointing you with oil. Oil in the scripture represents the spirit of God. We won't pour it on you, we'll dab it on your forehead. The spirit of God in the name of the Lord. Verse 15: Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. This is God's formula for your wholeness. I'm sick. I'm broken, I'm burdened, I'm struggling. Okay, so go and tell someone. And he says this here. I love it because it gets even easier. Uh, halfway through verse 15. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Here it is, verse 16. Confess your sins to who? And pray for each other so that you may be healed. So this is so Crazy to me because I can go and I can pray to God, Lord, forgive me and help me and I'm, I'm struggling and I need your love. And we can leave prayer and we can feel that sense of peace. The issue is, is this. You're going to end up right back in the same pit a week from then. Because there are people that God has strategically put in place, there are churches in this area and other areas. If you're a visitor, that that God is strategically placed in those churches to come around you and to get alongside you, and God says you go to them and you confess. Yeah. So, so many of us we, we carry sadness like we loathe in it. Like we just we walk around just pouty and sad and depressed and and heavy and weighty just all the time and people be like what in the world is wrong with you we just we we just love just man, i'm just hurting and i'm broken and i'm hurting and god is in heaven like people i want to i got people i got i got prayer warriors i got people of faith i got people but we just Lord, help me and forgive me. I don't understand why nothing's changing. Ah, it feels better. <laughs> All God's going to do is this when, when you're praying. a boy. But the, a follower of Christ, this is what Jesus taught him. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Watch this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results you need you need someone to lay a hand on your head on your shoulder you need someone to to pray faith into you write this down healing is a contact sport healing is a contact sport i can't i can't stand like i just said yeah i go through things too but And Lord knows I'm, I'm not perfect by any stretch. But I, I stay ready to pour into people. I stay ready to, to what you need, man. Now, I'm not going to seek you out. Do you see that anywhere in the scripture? You, you don't see where James said, oh, no, people are going to wake up and they're going to think about you all the time. My past ain't thinking about me. My, my leader ain't thinking about me. No, 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 that, that's not the deal. That's not the deal. That's still feeding into your pride. <laughs> no one's thinking. Come on, we can clap. that. I heard a clap somewhere. <laughs> no one is thinking about you. You don't have haters. Right? But, like, there are people who stay ready to pray and to lift you up. And you know who those people are. All you got to do is simply pick up the phone. Hey, can, can I get a 10-minute phone call? Can we meet next week and just hash this out? Can we hash this out? That's one thing that grew me, man, three, four, five years into, into my salvation. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, we call them jits in Orlando. Jits means like little, like an old 1990s word, jits, and it's in Orlando. Sorry, out of context. When I was a jit in my faith, it was like, man, like, my pastor never reaches out. Well, what is your pastor doing? Is he studying? Is he praying for other people? Is he visiting hospitals? Is he praying over sick babies? So who is around you that you need to reach out to? Because your pastor does not have superpowers. (laughs) Last I checked, Ephesians 1.13, when you gave your heart to Christ, the same spirit that's on the inside of your pastor also rests on the inside of you, and it rests on the inside of your sister, and it rests on the inside of your brother. So you need to pick up the phone, call a brother, call a sister, get some prayer. And this is where God is not enough. It's not, okay, follow me here. It's not enough to just read your Bible. Prayer is not enough. Going to church three Sundays out of four is not enough god is calling you to get rooted in a church and just like the redwood sequoia tree to lock arms beneath and 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 to pour your life into a local body of believers the word church in the greek is ekklesia it means called out ones so while the world is dealing with depression and premature death and all that Jesus, Jesus, his edict for the church was the way that the world will know that you are my followers is that you love one another. What was Jesus saying? I've called you to get intimate and deep with one another because I want you to produce, I want something to come from your life. I want you to produce something that only comes from the power of God. So you can't just go to church once a month and twice a month and three times a month and and not get into a group and not get into your, you, you can't just do these things and expect to be healthy through and through. God is calling you to pour your life out, to get connected, to go deeper into a local body. And the payoff is this, you will experience transformation. You will experience transformation. And we can be honest, all of us desire transformation and God's best in certain areas of our lives. Maybe, maybe some of you are currently making more money than you've ever made, but for whatever reason, your bank account looks the same. It's because you, you need a, an added ounce of wisdom. Yeah. And there are people around you who can help you. Um, maybe you're going through a very tough season, but you need prayer, you need someone to walk with you. If you find common ground, build trust, and be transparent, you would experience transformation. Marks of a healthy relationship. They say uh, healthy relationships, uh, people listen to each other They communicate openly without judgment. There's trust and respect. Uh, They make time for each other. They remember the details of each other's lives. And they partake in healthy activities together. These are the benefits, contrary to uh, the tough spots about being lonely. Less stress, healthier habits. There's a sense of purpose. And the last one here, they said, you live longer. You live longer. Marks of a healthy relationship. So today I want to encourage you to, uh, today is like group uh, signups. I want to encourage you to shop for a group. Don't leave here. Just go straight to your car. Like shop for a group. And um, when you find a group, go to that group when we start groups. Groups start September the 9th. Go to that group, but also go to another group or two, like shop around. You gotta find your group so that you can find those, be it a co-ed group or men's group, women's group, so you can find your two or three people that eventually you're gonna build with. People that won't allow you to just be who you are, but they wanna see you grow. Those are real friends. Those are, even to this day, my, my, my best friend, he'll text me and he'll get up in my chest But I know he does it because he loves me. And he's done it for 12 years. And not to see where my life is 12 years from being saved, I wouldn't trade him for anything in the world. There are people who want to get deep with you. You got to let them in. So today, shop for a group. Show up to one or two different groups when we start. And then pick a group and settle. I believe that by Christmas, you're going to experience transformation. Transformation. It's going to be your gift to yourself. You'll be a complete new person, stronger, more clarity, healthier. You'll be good. Let's bow our heads and let's, I want to offer salvation. If you don't know Jesus, want will let you know Jesus loves you and he's here for you. He died on a cross for you. Let's bow our heads, everyone. On the count of three, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and receive forgiveness, if you want to receive power and a new start, just ask that on the count of three, you will raise your hand. We're not going to make you stand up or come to the front of the church. Or maybe you're coming back to Christ. Maybe you believe in him, but your life has been contrary. You're coming back to him. You don't have to be perfect. God's going to walk with you. So on the count of three, I just want you to raise that hand and raise it high. We're going to pray. We're going to celebrate you. One, two, three. three. If you're coming back to Christ, God bless you. Raise that hand high. God bless you. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Church, let's celebrate and let's celebrate loud. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Amazing. Hey, let's pray. Pray together with me. Salvation reigns in this place. Say, Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I am yours I am whole. In Jesus' name, amen.